Hey, hey! Welcome to the Vision of the People podcast. I'm your host, Rushi, like sushi with an R. We venture into stories ranging from incredible founders to creative artists who have achieved great success and those just starting their journeys. Each passion-filled episode features advice on topics ranging from startups to the cosmos. And here we go. Alright, I'm here at the beautiful Thrive Market headquarters um, with someone very special here today with an ambitious founder, Nick Green. Nick, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So, a little bit of background on Nick. Um, Nick is the co-founder and co-CEO of Thrive Market. They've raised over $162 million. It's an online wholesale buying club on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for every American family. Thrive Market currently offers 4,000 most popular natural and organic products in the world at 25 to 50% off retail shipped anywhere in the U.S. for free. For every paid member on the site, the company also sponsors a free membership for a low-income family. Prior to co-founding Thrive, Nick was the co-founder and CEO of Ivy Insiders, an education company that made college test prep more affordable and helped over 20,000 students get into colleges before being acquired by Revolution Prep in 2010. He has backgrounds from Minnesota and New York and has gotten his bachelor's in economics from Harvard. His passion um, is combining technology and business to solve big social problems. And when he isn't pouring his energy into the effort here at uh, Thrive Market, he enjoys the outdoors and supporting other social entrepreneurs as an angel investor, advisor, and cold emailers such as myself. So thanks once again, Nick, um, for being on the show. Absolutely. So I'm going to dive right into it. Um, you're still so early on in your career, but you have scaled exponentially. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you received early on in your career, and how do you think it has helped you improve personally and professionally? I think the best advice that I got when I was in college was was really just to uh, chart your own path and to not view your career as a sort of separate compartment in your life, but really view it as a reflection of who you want to be in your life as a whole. Um, I don't really draw a line between work and life. Uh, you know, I don't think about work-life balance. Uh, for me, what I'm working on is something I'm passionate about, um, and that was the case with my first business, and it's absolutely the case with this business. Um, so, you know, the idea to just go for it, uh, to do what you're passionate about, uh, and to uh, you know make your career something that uh, is is really a part of your life and threads into the other dimensions of your life uh, was probably the best advice that I got. Um, and you know, it's caused me to I think work harder. Uh, than, than I would have otherwise, but also enjoy that work, uh, which, which really is what enabled me to work hard. Awesome. And I personally am enthralled by the goal of making healthy uh, living easy and affordable, especially as a college student living off top ramen, as, uh, as a lot of um, my peers would say. Can you tell me a little bit more about Thrive Market and its beginnings? Yeah, so it, it really started with my co-founder, Gennar. Um, he grew up on a commune in Ojai, California. Uh, pretty pretty uh, non-traditional uh, background uh, and so it was a, it was a communal farm uh, and they uh, actually did wholesale buying of organic products uh, back in the 70s and 80s um, so you know you, you might stereotypically think of this as a hippie commune uh, and he kind of always had the idea as he got further along into his uh, his his own career which ended up taking him into tech 
of you know how could we take the hippie commune to the masses, uh, but do it in a way um, that uh, that sort of strips the hippie out but keeps the healthy living in. Um, so this is an idea that basically had been germinating for him for decades, um, and uh, he actually initially pitched me on it as an investor. So I had sold my first company, uh, rolled off of off of uh, the earnout uh, from the acquiring company. I uh, was doing some angel investing, and uh, he the the name of the business at the time he's calling it Shop Tribe. I uh, had an executive summary that I read, and there's a lot of things in the business model that I sort of scratched my head. Uh, but the mission was exactly what our mission is today: make healthy living easy and affordable for every American family. And you know, Gennar had that vision. He communicated to me in a way that was really clear and compelling, and it came from such a personal place. Um, in my own background, I also had a connection to. to to health. My mom was health obsessed and really passed it along to, to her children. Uh, she came from a Mexican-American family where uh, a lot of her uh, siblings and a lot of my cousins have struggled with different uh, lifestyle uh, um, lifestyle related health issues, um, largely uh, as a, a function of diet. Um, so I'd seen firsthand how beneficial having a great diet and a health-focused mom had been for me. Uh, and then also on the other side, um, you know the the challenges that can arise um, from what's really the, the common American diet. So it struck a chord with me, and by the end of that meeting with Gennaro, I was actually pitching him on doing it together. Uh, and you know, you can say that the rest is history. There's obviously <laughs> been a, a long, rocky path since then, but you know, it really was rooted in both of our own personal experiences uh, of seeing the power of health uh, and wanting to bring that to more people. That's awesome. Thanks so much. Uh, you know, I love the mixing of the Costco um, business model, uh, as you know, I've read online before, and especially with the Whole Foods variety. So, what would you say defines, from your perspective, of starting this company? That you know, what would you say defines a 21st century health lifestyle with millennials, and how it's shifting? Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing how fast the trends uh, can ebb and flow, um, and I think one thing we've seen, just being kind of at the epicenter of the whole ecosystem, is that there is no one healthy lifestyle. You know, you can be healthy eating vegan, you can be healthy eating paleo, you can be healthy on a ketogenic diet. Um, and what's, what's, what, what is important, there's a few sort of, I think, macro principles that should always apply to a healthy lifestyle. And basically gets down to eating real food, um, food that's, that's as simple as possible, uh, food that's not loaded with chemicals and preservatives. Uh, and so, you know, we really believe that that's the underpinning of, of any of any good diet. And so, you know, we look to have those standards and really push those standards out into the world while supporting that there's going to be different healthy lifestyles that work for different people. Um, you know, we also feel that healthy, you know, even within paleo or ketogenic or one of these diets, um, you know, healthy is not a binary, right? It's, it's, a, it's a progression of getting, getting, getting more and getting, getting better and uh, and uh, and we understand that a lot of people are starting from a place where you know it's really hard. Where maybe for a lot of years or even decades they've been eating a certain way or exposed to uh, certain types of products. Uh, and you know, changing your taste and your preferences, and in some cases you got family and culture and all these different variables that are keeping you in a in a particular set of habits. Um, so one of the things we try to do at Thrive is really meet people where they are, right? Uh, not be from a place of judgment, but come from a place of you know wherever you are, you can take that next step. And you know, figure out what diet you want to pursue, what what lifestyle you're interested in pursuing, and just take that step. You know, by lowering the barriers to those steps, whether that be by having a lower price point, shipping anywhere in the country, or doing education, we can really empower people to take their health into their own hands, uh, feel positive about it, 
Uh, and once you get that ball rolling, it's the classic snowball effect where people can you know, see, see the benefits to their, to their health um, and then keep going. Awesome. You have a great vision. Uh, you have an incredible team and you have an impacting product. Um, what one of the things that really stuck out to me was I love that for every new member subscription um, someone who can't afford it gets a year's worth of membership can you tell us how and why you came up with this wonderful strategy yeah of course so it, it really goes back to that mission that I articulated earlier we want to make healthy living affordable to every American family um, and the way that we do that as you pointed out is with this Costco like membership model so by charging a membership, we're able to actually uh, pass on all, this, all, all the savings we get buying direct from brands to our members. We don't need to take margin because we're getting our margin from the membership. So all the profit that we'll drive in the future will come off membership. And then for our typical paying member, that $60 gets them access to everything basically at or below the price of conventional equivalents. Now that works for, for a lot of Americans because they can pay the $60 and if, as long as the food uh, or products on the site are priced at or below conventional equivalents. That really makes the organic and, and healthy options more accessible. Uh, but there's a lot of Americans for whom that still doesn't quite get them to the, the point of access. Uh, you know, there's tens of millions of Americans right now that are on food stamps. Um, these are people that can't afford even conventional grocery prices. Um, and there's and there's many many Americans that may not even have access to the internet on a regular basis, or they may not have a stable address to have products shipped. So, you know, we started out saying, how do we get, if we really want to make healthy living affordable for everyone, how do we target these people, you know, starting with below the threshold of being able to pay $60? And that was easy, right? Because the $60 charge is all margin for us. What we said is we'll just give a free membership to all those people. You know, it's, it's, it's structured like a classic one-for-one, one, but the truth is if anyone applies on our site and they show that they actually need the membership, they can't pay for it, we would give it to them, even if we don't have, you know, a paying member, membership to offset it. Um, but then we also saw there's these people even below that level where, you know, either they don't have access to the online, uh, you know, to consistent online ability to order, or they don't have a consistent address, uh, or they just maybe aren't educated to know where to even start if they, if, if they do get on the site. Um, and some of those people, even if you get the free membership, they still can't afford the, the, the prices. So, uh, you know, their question was, how do we, how do we fix those barriers? So we've actually gone beyond um, the just classic one-for-one one model uh, over the last few years and introduced a few other components. Uh, one is what we call Spread the Health, uh, and that's a donated checkout piece of functionality that enables our paid members to actually donate a portion of their savings on every purchase to the gifts members. Uh, so we've raised about a million dollars that way over the last year and a half. Uh, and actually, the second half of last year, as founders, we matched every dollar that was raised there. Um, and all that goes back to, uh, to our gifts members to take down that barrier of Yes, they got the free, uh, free uh, membership, but they still can't afford the products. Um, and then what we've started doing more recently is trying to address these barriers of, of more of like digital access, right? Uh, access to a shipping address, um, that sort of thing. And we've done that by partnering with some great organizations, nonprofits who work with different constituents of, of people, many mom, single moms and families who are trying to get healthy, uh, but you know, don't have, uh, aren't necessarily online shopping online. So uh, for them, you know, they can actually go to a uh, food bank, for example, uh, that we're partnered with and get Thrive Market products with their Thrive Market gifts membership uh, for free. Um, and so we've done a lot with that. And then we've, we've also started to do some stuff with disaster relief where if there's uh, areas that are hit especially hard, 
that may already have been started out in a socioeconomically disadvantaged place, but have, say, a natural disaster uh, or something really bad that happens, um, you know, send them send them products. So, for example, when the uh, Hurricane Harvey hit Houston, uh, we sent a full semi-trailer down there. So, we used our spread the health dollars donated from our members to get food uh, and relief down to down to those folks. Um, so, you know, we really look at it holistically, and uh, giving away memberships is is the first point. But as we realize that that's not enough, we try to layer in other parts of the program uh, so that we can actually succeed in our mission. And you know, what we find is that our members, our paying members, really reward us for that. So, you know, we do it because it's the right thing to do, but our paying members, it actually builds loyalty uh, and, uh, and and more support and more uh, more alignment to the brand. That's really awesome. Thank you so much. And I think that's what I love about startups these days where not only do you have a product, but you're also going directly for social impact. So um, thank you very much for sharing that. I want to get a little bit into... Um, a personal side of things, I want to talk about the role of mentors. Did you have any mentors growing up or do you still have anyone and advice for people that are looking to get one? Should they get one? Yeah, I think that's, it's an interesting question. Um, and it's, and it's funny that you ask it right now because as the business has scaled, one of the things that I've tried to do is, is seek out mentors, uh, you know, other CEOs who've been through that growth phase, uh, who come out the other end and, you know, learn from their mistakes and, and also learn what's, what's really worked. Um, so I do believe that mentorship can be a really powerful um, dynamic and can be really um, you know, inspiring and motivating and just practically helpful, right? especially if you're doing something that is really hard. Um, you know, to be completely honest, I, part of the reason I'm trying to get more mentors right now is I don't feel like I really had uh, mentors as, as an entrepreneur mm. um, when, I was, when I was out there doing my first business. You know, I was a solo founder. Um, you know, neither of my parents were entrepreneurs. Uh, had a had, you know really great great parents who really uh, uh, pushed me to do do what I wanted and kind of uh, follow my own path, like I was saying before. Um, but I didn't necessarily have anyone that was that was uh, giving me a playbook. Um, and uh, I think that on the one hand, it would have been great to have some of that help. I mean, I made some big mistakes in that first business. I like to say I kind of failed my way to success, um, and I'm sure I could have avoided some of those with a mentor. Uh, on the other hand, I do think there's also a tendency, or can be a tendency, depending on kind of your orientation, intellectual style, personality, uh, to uh, avoid action by kind of doing over-analysis and trying to learn more before you actually go out and do something. Uh, and, you know, I think that for me, ultimately just getting out and doing it, even if I was going to make mistakes, even if I was going to mess things up, even if I didn't have someone to, you know, teach me how to do it. Um, was better than not taking action or waiting around and looking for mentors. So, you know, what I would say is um, sort of like I'm doing now, like I'm looking for mentors that can help me in this next stage of the company, but I'm not putting the company on pause while I go find mentors. So I think I think mentors can be really valuable, but the, the single most important thing that I found for me personally and that I would you know, advise to other entrepreneurs is strike your own path, get out and just do it. Like just take action, throw yourself into the deep end and and have trust in yourself that you know you'll figure it out and there is no single path that so that someone else is going to paint for you you know they're going to have pattern recognition from things that they've seen that are similar uh, but there's some things that you just have to figure out yourself um i really do believe that and and um you know it's like it's painful to to make mistakes but it's also um you know a lot of lessons that i've learned uh, the hard way are the lessons that have really stuck with me the most hmm. interesting um 
So the advice, if you would go, you know, the advice you would give yourself, you can go back in time, say by the time you're graduating, would it be along those lines as well? Or would that be different? I mean, I, I would, I would have gone, I would have tried to get mentors then, okay. um, but I wouldn't have let it slow me down. I think okay. that's like, and I, and I would, I would extend that advice to anything. Like there's all, there's A, B, C, and D things that someone can tell you that will make you more effective, right? If you go like, if you get a mentor, if you do an internship, if you learn, uh, you know, learn to code, if you go get an MBA, I mean, there's any one of a number of things that in theory can make you a better entrepreneur. And I think in practice, they probably can too. Um, but in practice, they also end up being ways to delay actually getting out there and doing it. And so, you know, the only thing that I would say is like, whatever the advice is that you're getting, don't let that advice be a reason to procrastinate. Hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I think in my case, I got pretty lucky that in my mid, in my early twenties, I started, uh, Ivy Insiders, um, and I sort of started it by accident. Like I was teaching SAT classes in my hometown during the summer and was able to do it without a lot of risk just as a summer sort of gig for the first three years. Um, and that enabled me then by the time I was actually, you know, declining job offers and deciding to go at it full time to already have a profitable business. Uh, I think it would have been a lot harder for me to take that jump if that weren't the case. I sort of got to use my college years as an you know, incubation uh, period for that business. Um, but, uh, uh, but, but ultimately, it was, you know, it, was, it was getting out there and doing it that made the difference. Cool. So quick fire round as we wrap up. Um, favorite food you recommend? Favorite food I recommend. Um, the snack that I like the most is actually a product that we have on Thrive. Uh, there, uh, it's a nut or a seed rather. It's called a sacha inchi seed. Uh, it's really high protein, uh, kind of bizarre tasting, but I just love munching on them. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm a big kind of I eat for utility person during the day, and so you know, nuts and seeds are a fast way to get calories. Um, but after a while, they get kind of boring. So I've, I've mixed it up with sacha inchi seeds. Uh, another another product I'm really liking these days. Uh, is uh, mushroom uh, mushroom based teas. So uh, with reishi and chaga, um, I'm not a coffee drinker, and I try not to drink much caffeine. Um, so uh, those are you know, great teas that have um, some really important medicinal qualities too. Uh, that you know you can drink during the day and uh, avoid that uh, that hyper caffeinated cup of coffee. Okay, and then um, last question, and then we'll wrap up. So. This goes back to why, you know, I started this podcast project. Um, you, you know, to my listeners, you know, um, Thrive Market got rejected by more than 50 VC firms um, when you initially were looking for funding, ultimately landing people aligned with your perspective, such as health and wellness investors. Um, is passion and story important to do practically anything that we do? Is that is that the core sort of engine that drives humanity I guess would you say I don't know if I can say what the core engine is that drives humanity I can, I can only say it for myself and uh, and yes for me going back to your first question the passion and energy that comes from pursuing my own path doing something that I really care about um, you know it changes my ability to work it changes my ability to inspire others um, and it, it just gives me a level of energy that I wouldn't have otherwise. 
Um, and I don't believe that people have one calling necessarily. Some people might. I certainly don't feel like I did. Um, but you do have things that you're, that you're drawn to. And listening to that and tuning out some of the background noise and social pressure and expectations and what other people want uh, and going after what you're passionate about matters. And uh, I know it's like it's hard for me to say give that as advice because you just hear it all the time, like follow your passion, follow your passion. Um, but what I but I do think that, uh, and I don't I don't think there's like I said I don't think there's a magic calling or a magic single passion that you can that you have to discover. I think it's just finding something that you're drawn to. Um, and and then pushing for it, and more than anything, being willing to take action on it, right? I think that's uh, another theme that I've mentioned here in a few of the answers. That uh, you know, there's all sorts of ways that you can t- convince yourself not to do something, uh, and ultimately, being an entrepreneur is about getting out there and failing. You know, yeah, we got rejected by 50 VCs. Um, since then, we've raised 160 million dollars. Uh, you know, in my first business, like I did everything wrong. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, despite having an economics degree from Harvard, I can tell you, like, econometrics doesn't help you at all to be a better entrepreneur. Uh, there's nothing you're going to learn in the classroom, frankly, that's, that's going to help you be a better entrepreneur. And, you know, a big part of it is, like, having enough passion and commitment for what you're doing to face those failures and hit them over and over again, but keep, keep going. Um, and I think the passion also for me uh, you know, it's it's kept me going when there's when there's failures because I see that end goal and destination. Um, it also, though, if it's something that you actually enjoy doing in the process, can keep you going even if you you know don't feel like you're getting close to your destination. And the truth is, there's sometimes as an entrepreneur where you don't, right? Where you you're saying I'm getting rejected. It wasn't like it was like each rejection seemed to be bringing us closer to uh, to getting funded. Uh, in retrospect, it looks that way. I was like, oh, we hit the 50th rejection, and then all of a sudden the money started pouring in. That's not actually how it felt at all. Um, but because I was working on something that I cared about, not only the end, but I was working with people that I enjoyed. I was solving a problem that I found interesting. You know, I was sort of at a place where, like, even if it didn't work, like, like playing the game was fun. And yeah. if you can find a game where playing it, even if you end up you know, losing, uh, you still will feel good about having played it. That's a good game to play. That's, a, I think, a good litmus test for whether you found a passion uh, that you uh, that's, that's really right for you. Awesome. Well, uh, that does it here. Thanks so much. Uh, I think you gave some great advice, and I think um, the listeners will be more than happy to get some great advice um, from Nick Green himself. So, Nick, thanks once again. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks again for having me. We really hope you enjoyed that. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Please like us on Facebook at Vision of the People Podcast. And do give your thoughts to me at Lil Rushi Shaw on Twitter on who I should have next on the show. If you found this insightful or interesting, share it with someone that could find this helpful. As Mahatma Gandhi once said, you must be the change you wish to see in the world. Till next time, keep striving. <laughs>